Hello again, and thank you for tuning in to Voluminous, the feminist-centred podcast hosted by me, artist Andre Volu. It's great to be recording and posting regular episodes again, bringing you the voices and stories of inspiring women that I continue to meet on my journey as an artist. I'm here in Princeton, New Jersey, in the newly constructed artist studio of today's guest. This episode features someone who I first met via Zoom just days before the lockdown of March 2019 and has gone on to be a great ally and confidant of mine artistically, a Filipino-American artist and advocate, Mick Dino Berkelman. Hi, Mick. Hey, Andre. Mick is an accomplished artist, educator, and connector. She is the co-founder of PAD, the Princeton Artist Directory, and NEXI, the Northeast by Southeast Asian Collective, correct? Yes, Northeast by Southeast, that's correct. Yeah. So, Mick, I always begin these talks with how we know each other, so why don't we briefly discuss how we do know each other? We know each other, uh, we know each other through PAD, which stands for Princeton Artist Directory. And you are one of the artists who um, registered with us um, as a Princeton local artist. Correct. And then I left. And then you left. But you're still the co-founder co-founder of Yes, along with Mary Waltham and Karen Stolper. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to what PAD has done for Princeton soon. So, since we have so much to discuss, and before we get to your work connecting artists, such as with PAD and Nexi, why don't we discuss your art? So, tell me about your particular art. Okay, so I'm a trained oil painter and studied in an atelier in Bucks County. Um, It was only after the election, say 2016, that I started to um, play around with a new medium, the manila envelope. And this came about uh, through a conversation with my mother who grew up in the south of Luzon, um, the biggest island of the Philippines. And I asked her um, where, no, I asked my mother what her fondest memory of the Philippines and she said that when she grew up she loved seeing abaca fiber drying in the hot sun and she said it's too bad that Americans don't know about abaca um, but they do know about the manila envelope which was originally made with abaca fiber and so that's why I started uh, experimenting with manila envelopes so I started (laughs) um Uh, As a portrait painter, I um, took uh, photos uh, of my family and started incorporating manila envelope um, as a substitute for their skin skin color. It then evolved into cutting out uh, flowers, um, particularly jasmine and plumeria, which, uh, which are flowers that are found in the Philippines. And um, this gives me a strong connection to my roots. Yeah, so I mean, so are you saying, are these manila envelopes still made with abaca fiber? No, they're not. They're probably made with a cheap fiber right now. It's too expensive to make it with abaca. Right, so, but in the, in the Philippines, can you get them with abaca? No, I mean, I'm it's, sure it's we're... It's kind of died out. Yeah, I mean, the manila envelopes that I get from Target is probably from China or something. Okay, yeah, so that explains why you did that piece that was abaca. You did the letters in the manila envelope. Right, just to show what it looks like, Yeah. what abaca fiber looks like. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously I've seen your work and I, those silhouettes in the, uh, in the manila envelope, they work really well. 
they look really cool and you know because you do the, the silhouettes with you do the lines as well so okay so uh do you want to tell us about the residency you recently went on because i know for a lot of people going on residency is a big deal and you went on your first residency in upstate new york yes it was uh the residency at the chautauqua institute and it was for five weeks this was my very first artist residency and um, was quite scary to go on this residency because I didn't know what to expect. And let's just have emphasize that was five weeks. It right? was five weeks and um, also I am a caregiver so I have children and, and I had other responsibilities so it was really hard for me to um, get away but I did it and it was all worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something we'll discuss about, you know, women's issues as well. Women, historically, have more responsibilities and, you know, if they want to become an artist or any kind of field, they want time away to develop their career. It's going to be difficult. You might spend five weeks away. So what, what do you think you got out of that five weeks? I mean, how many people, other artists were on this? Right. Um, there were 39 artists and... Um, and it was intergen intergenerational, so from uh, ages 22 till 63, which, which I found really good. Um, I do know the value of a residency now. Um, in the morning, I would only have two decisions to make, and they were um, what type of breakfast am I going to get and what kind of art am I going to make. And that was a very new feeling for me. I've never had that much time just to do that. Usually at home, my brain is fragmented and I have to make so many other decisions. I just noticed that after the residency. But if you have that amount of concentrated time to think about your art, you can actually produce something really cool. Yeah, there's another thing as well. If you don't have a dedicated space as an artist, where are you going to get that space to do your work, right? If your work is kind of in your home, it's very difficult, especially if you're somebody with responsibilities. So um, did you develop some more art? ideas from this residency in these five weeks yeah we were all encouraged to experiment which was great we uh they didn't want results but that we were open to experiment experimentation or new ideas so i went from a 2d um piece of artwork doing cutouts to making a basically a structure or a sculpture with manila envelopes and that resulted in the dress that i made and that was displayed recently, wasn't it? And it was. Uh, it made its debut at Princeton University. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty cool. Um, okay, so we, if we discuss kind of the other things you do, uh, like being co-founder of Princeton Artist Directory and Nexi, what do you want to tell us about Princeton Artist Directory? Because obviously, I know quite a lot about it. I know that it filled a void in this town by uh, connecting artists with each other. What was your purpose in developing a, you know, a small to small town with a lot of artists, you know, connecting them together? What was your purpose? Right. Um, I always think um, <clears throat> it was founded on a very simple principle that if we're all connected, the artists are connected, then we're just stronger together as a community. It's a very simple thing. It's the same principle that I use for Nexi as well. If we're isolated artists, we're not as strong as when we're together. So... Uh, I did ask the Arts Council if they had an artist directory and they didn't so me and Karen and Mary founded one and we didn't know what the response was going to be so we 
put it on the paper and surprisingly 55 plus artists responded so there's there was an actual need in the community yeah that's quite a lot i mean it's a shame with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff so you haven't had physical kind of get-togethers which could have been quite rewarding too that will happen in the future but on the other hand next the other hand that's kind of completely different because there you're representing people who are underrepresented in the art uh, community shall we say so what about your ideas back? Why well, I don't even know when Nexi started. When did Nexi start? The same, the same year that PAD started. Okay. And this was you started Nexi? Did you have co-founders with that? Um, Nexi, Nexi wasn't founded by... I should say Nexi is northeast yeah. by southeast. And its, its purpose is to... Northeast by Southeast is to connect Filipino-American artists to one another. Right. On the, on the northeast coast of okay. the United States. Right. So, um, uh, in context, I'm living, okay, in context, I'm living here in Princeton, New Jersey, suburbia, and I basically don't have any contact with other Filipino American artists, and I desperately wanted um, colleagues. Uh, Fortunately, um, a woman in the Midwest created a, a Filipino American artist directory, and I looked at all the artists located in New Jersey, New York, and Philadelphia, and Pennsylvania, and contacted them, and invited them to my home. Wow! Yeah, so I was also surprised that people actually came. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they responded to my email, um, and they came. And during our lunch, I asked, "Hey." Um, how are you feeling? What are the challenges within the Philippine American artist community? And so we talked about that. And one of the challenges is that we are not connected on the coast. Apart from being not represented. Yeah, not we're also connect- not connected. Yeah. And um, so some of us, after the, I think the second meeting, we decided, hey, you know, let's form a group and let's exhibit together. And that was basically the start of Nexi. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really powerful to do this Nexi thing because... You know, as we've discussed, people who are not represented in the art world, not only they're not represented, they don't have they have to go and find their own connections because they're not going to be given a lift up. So, could I've seen you've done quite a few little, uh, quite a few exhibitions with Nexi. Can you tell us about some of the things you've managed to do despite the pandemic? Right. Um, <clears throat> since we live in three states, it was very challenging. So our meetings consisted of Zooms, and our first. Uh, experimental exhibit was in Queens because um, one of the founding members was Jed and he owned a space in Queens so we decided hey let's exhibit there and had the community come so that was our first experimental um, exhibit and we just wanted to see what the community's response was it was very positive and um, after that we continued and um, we had an opportunity to show at Princeton University for Philippine American History Month in October. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. You know, you get a few people together who are underrepresented and you're all Filipino Americans and one of you has a space, you go and fill your work with your, fill that space with your work and there it's on display and this this is not going to happen otherwise. So you literally made something happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. I think it's really so what I think that's a very powerful kind of illustration of how you have to do things yourself to get yourself shown out there. So what what's next for Nexi? Well, Nexi, um, I think because 
the exhibit at Princeton allowed us to see how we work together, get to know one another, and how our works um, talk to one another. Uh, we would like to. Um, we are in the process of applying for residencies for our collectives. Yeah. Oh, cool. So that's a very new thing, and now we I have. I didn't know that was a thing. Collective. It's residence. a yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a thing. Um, so. For 2022, we're gonna apply, and don't, we don't know where. I mean, we don't know if we're gonna get it. But as a collective, we would like to find more opportunities where we can display our art, which will push our art even further and create more dialogue with the public. And do you collaborate with each other, or do you just just discuss basically your art with each other? Um, no, it's because everyone's so busy and have diff- everybody has different capacities. That is a yeah. challenge. Um, we need to be focused and let's focus like on uh, a theme so that we can create artwork and then we give each other feedback. Okay, and is Nexi open to other Filipino Americans? For now, it's, um, it's about uh, seven people. Yeah. But I think the plan is that we would be, be open to others. I think we're just trying to figure out what the rhythm is and know the direction and um, definitely we want to expand the community okay I mean I love Nexi I think it's one of the greatest I think it's just fantastic that you can bring yourself to the public in this way I really like it by the way um, one of the uh, the impetus of of creating it is we actually got feedback from somebody that um, there's not much representation for Southeast Asians especially in New York City so when somebody, um, somebody f- high up in the gallery world told us that, mm-hmm. that just gave us the facts, the real- a reality check, but it also spurred us to use our own agency. Yeah. So if something doesn't exist, that's the beauty of artists, they create it. They yeah. create their own opportunities. And also as a collective together, you've got more power as a group to maybe change something at some point. Yeah. So with these conversations, I'd like to expand it. I always talk, expand it to talk about women and gender issues. No, obviously you're a woman, but also you've got experience as an American Filipina woman, as you're saying, working in the arts. You know, how has that been for you? Do you think do you think uh, you've been able to break down any barriers? Um, just be, uh, Are people prejudiced to your work already. You know, those kind of things. I think I can I can speak to how. Um, how it is as a Filipino American woman um, and what you get, the tropes that you get or um, the art that is made of Asian women. So I think I know that and it's more about exoticism and um, seeing kind of the same like geisha type woman on um, painted by white men. So I've seen that. And uh, so that's the portrayal of Asian women. The portrayal oh, of yeah. Asian women, and yeah. also how I I've been treated in the past. So it's more like, oh, you know, um, exotic, and you're just you know, um, you're just here to please me or whatever, or you're timid, stuff like that. So I think I, I know the stereotypes, but what I what I actually love about um, being out as a Filipino American woman, other women artists have come to me and have um, supported me in in different ways saying you know um, this has been my experience 
and we need to support one another and we must um, uplift the people who have been um, uh, what do you call it have made that have been made invisible yeah and so I, I'm seeing that as a challenge I, I, I always like challenges so um, I feel like knowing the reality of things can can helps me to create solutions or create creates me to make a better situation for them yeah it's where kind of your art's very powerful as well because you're using manila envelopes as part of your medium your cultural heritage is front and center so there's no getting away from what you're presenting there's no getting away from the fact you're filipino american and you're using that in your art which i think gives it even more power in what you do do, mm-hmm. do, you, do you agree with that yeah, so before, when I used to paint, uh, it wasn't Filipino-specific at all. Nothing about it. And I intentionally put that in in my bio and, and in my work. And interestingly, once you claim it or you make a commitment, <laughs> now people are saying, hey, Mick, uh, you should get to know this Filipino-American artist. Or I saw Filipino-American art here. And this is coming from non-Filipinos. And I love that because that's a real uh, result of, of just making a commitment. Yeah. And so they come, with, come to me with different information, which I love. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, everybody should have a look at your manila envelope art. I mean, because, you know, how does she make an art out of manila, manila envelope? But it is really quite um, evocative in a way, you know, the way you bring this material forward and use it in all your things. Because you have the, the lattice-like effects and things like that. So... That's another thing you've done is you've like worked into different styles working with them. You must have learned so much about the medium itself over time. Yes, and right now my job is to see what other things I can make with it. Um, I have a residency in Newark now and I have a space over there where I'm also encouraged to take risks. And um, so, so where is that? Where is that residency? Oh yeah, the residency is at Gallery of Pharaoh. Yeah. And it was through the Sustainable Arts grant that I was awarded the parent, a um, parent residency, which was great. So it's just because it showed, you know, if you want to, if you want these things, you have to apply to them, right? I know we all have rejections, but you have to apply. You have. You don't get them if you don't apply. Right? You definitely have to use your own agency and keep <laughs> applying. You never give up hope. Yeah. Um, but over there. Um, I have a chance to be with other artists and also have dialogue, which I, I love conversation um, and they bring me to new ideas. So right now I'm in the phase of a lot of experimentation with the Manila Envelope and see how far I can push yeah. it. That's great you renew it because I know we talked about Princeton, the Princeton Artist Directory, and there's a bit of a void of spaces. I know you had a great show at Princeton Public Library, which does fill that void of uh, uh, public space to show art. It's great you renew it because they... They show a lot of uh, underrepresented groups, mm-hmm. and that's a kind of a centre for the area for art from underrepresented minority groups. Yes. So, um, I was going to say, how do you actually present your Manila Envelope work? Because, you know, is it delicate? Can you just hang it on the wall? How do you present it? Well, the dress was hung from a hanger. And surprisingly, it was pretty strong. But I feel like I need to strengthen the material, and that's part of the experimentation. Will I put acrylic medium on it? Will I put some sort of um, metal foundation on? The, I don't know yet. So 
Yeah. Um, and the uh, the other things you do you, do you frame them and put them on the wall? Do they do they hang? Yeah, the ones at the Princeton Library, I basically just um, put them on the wall uh, with an adhesive. Um, the only problem is that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no frames. But well, the problem with the frame is it just um, it, uh, it's a barrier around the work for a start, and you are um, attaching some kind of other comment to the work by the, by the frame in itself. So you know. I, I actually prefer things without frames generally, especially your kind of work, which has this kind of cultural thing. So you're going to put a wood frame or something. So what, are you gonna, what is this? You know, it's going to take away from it. Yeah, I did frame one thing and I, I did get feedback. Somebody said it prevents the energy. I mean, yes. there's, a, there's, a, there's definitely a barrier and you don't have the same energy, like direct energy from the middle envelope. So I need to figure that out. Yeah. So, yeah. So in closing, I, I mean, your story is, you know, if you're underrepresented, I mean, You've got to find your own agency. You're going to find your own group of people and you're going to work to change things. And that's what you're doing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we're all going to win. You are. So thanks so much, Mick. And yeah, as you know, we are friends. This is a extra special to talk to you. On a personal note, I want to say how, high, how happy I am that you did start the Princeton Artist Directory. The town was in real need of this kind of community. And without you, that void would not have been filled. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. Um, so... I know we talked about upcoming stuff you're doing. I know you're going to said you're going to experimental mode. What what is the next thing for you? Well, that the experimental mode. Another thing is I just newly renovated my art space here in Princeton, and um, I'm very excited about it. There's so many um, ideas I have for it, and one of the things I think I mentioned to you, Andre, was creating some sort of hub or a Filipino feminist fortress. <laughs> I call it the triple F. The triple F, yeah. We're in the Filipino feminist fortress, are we not? Yes, we are. Do you feel good in it? Yeah, I can feel the power. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So Mick's website is mickberkelman.com. That's M-I-C-B-O-E-K-E-L-M-A-N-N.com. But it'll be in the, uh, in the notes. And her Instagram is at mickberkelman, correct? Yeah. So... So everybody out there listening, thanks for coming back and still listening after we had that big long break because of the pandemic. I hope this podcast is inspiring to you. If you are a woman or someone who identifies as a woman, I hope that hearing from my guests illustrates how different it is when women have power and agency and how they can use that to give us a broader range of opinions and opportunities. I hope everyone else finds listening to these stories encourages you to speak up for the women in your lives to help them influence us all and to stand up for women you see being treated in any way other than as equals. If you like this episode or any other episodes, please give us a positive rating, make a comment in the comment section, or better still, subscribe. Don't forget to check out those previous episodes, the latest of which was a fascinating and very lively discussion with screenwriter, writer, and director AJ Bermudez. All these are available on the usual podcast sites, as well as through a link on my website, velou.com. That's V-E-L-O-U-X.com. You can also reach out directly to me with feedback at andrevelou at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks to you, Mick. Thank you, Andre. See you.